What's up, everybody? Happy holidays. It's me. It's me, the big old Stevie C. Steve Castlin over here kicking it live with you on the ones and twos, hanging and banging at the beginning of the year, looking as only I can look. It's me with the Heel and Face podcast brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. So what's going on, everybody? I'm on a little early today. I'm going to be fiddling with uh, times and I'm going to be um, doing a little bit of experimenting with, uh, you know, when... Uh, to go on, I might be trying to go a little earlier than I usually do, um, you know, but uh, not to step on any toes of, other, of any of the other great programs that we have here on Heel Turn Wrestling, but uh, just going to experiment a little bit. So just make it more convenient for you to consume the product and for me to put it out because that's all I'm about is I'm about you. I'm about you guys. I'm about the love. I'm about the fans. So that is episode 90, believe it or not, 90. That's right, kids. Episode 90. That's pretty shocking when you think about it. I've been doing this off and on with different uh, iterations for uh, about a year or so. And um, it feels good, man. I mean, it feels good. I'm really enjoying it. And I really enjoyed the progress that the show made over the last year. As you know, I am also taking the audio of this show and I'm putting it on uh, streaming services as well. So even if you aren't able to join me live on Facebook every Sunday to talk wrestling, then uh, you can definitely listen to my opinions and thoughts about the world of professional wrestling every week on your favorite streaming service as well. Put me in on the car ride, man. Put me in on the car ride. What are you going to do? Listen to the news? <laughs> Hacky morning jokes, uh, morning shows, syndicated talk shows. Now, nah, read a book. Why bother? Do that on the way home. But on the way to work, pop me in for a little bit of entertaining news, information, and opinions on the world of professional wrestling. Well, it was actually a really great year for me, like I said, and made a lot of advancements with the show. Uh, appealing to a broader audience here on the beloved heel turn wrestling network the network itself is getting big it's just growing by leaps and bounds uh we have some really exciting things to announce uh we could even possibly be getting our own pro wrestling tea store so you know i'm going to be pumping merch at any time and just the fact that we've grown we've got about i would say probably at least five solid shows on the network and uh, our memes are borderline getting us all in trouble. So, I mean, you know, if you want to join us for any of that, you are more than welcome to come and holla at us on Facebook. We are at HT Wrestling 316, HT Wrestling 316 for Heel Turn Wrestling. You can get all the great shows, not just mine. You can get Headlocks and Hangovers later on at about three, I think. You can get the Wrestling Trivia Show in the mornings. At 8 o'clock, our time, which is, I think, probably 4 or 5 Australia time, which is where it's coming from. You can get uh, The War Room. You can get Piers Austin's show where he interviews local talent from the Australian slash Melbourne wrestling scene, which is blowing up. Uh, about one-third of the wrestlers in NXT or NXT UK are, uh, are probably Australian. So uh, there's that. You've got um, The Sleeper Hold. And, of course, you have Billy Alexander and the franchise takes five. Also, anything else that Billy Alexander decides to throw out as far as consumption, it's all there for you at HT Wrestling 316, HT Wrestling 316. So today, I wanted to slow down a little bit, and I didn't want to talk a ton of what's going on because I just want to shed 2020, just clean out that closet, and I want to usher in brand new, I want to bring in brand new product 
Uh, there's that one tradition where you're supposed to open up your door on New Year's Eve to let all of the last year out and bring the new year in fresh. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to open that door, open that wrestling podcast door, if you will, and let all the negativity out. And hopefully some new, fresh 2021 will come streaming in. And it's already going to start. And I'm going to be perfectly honest. My job is starting back up again tonight. So I am not going to be able to um, to stay up to watch uh, Wrestle Kingdom 15, even though... I'm sure I'll find a copy of it somehow. But anyway, I won't be reporting on that. I'll leave it to the uh, other guys to do much of that. I, maybe I'll come up with some highlights, and maybe I'll catch whatever I can and talk about it in whatever capacity that I can. Uh, but right now, I'm just going to give you guys some special something I wouldn't thought in a million years that I'd be able to do. And I'm going to give you a best of show. I really feel like that the show itself blew up. And I had a real good time last year and even doing the show carried me through a lot of, um, not gonna lie, depression. Doing the show was kind of one of the things that I always look forward to every week. And I try to do it as religiously as possible and, uh, want to have fun doing the thing I love, which is watching pro wrestling and talking pro wrestling. And, uh, even if I was doing this by myself with no one else to listen, I'd still be having just as much fun as I have with you right now. So I've thrown a best of show. I've got some really cool clips, things over the last year that happened on the show that are some moments that are really noteworthy and super cool. And I'm going to have some quick updates for a couple of those clips um, at the end. But I wanted to uh, go back and look at the coolest things that happened, uh, you know, as far as the show getting bigger was, is that I opened up the show for uh, independent wrestlers, local independent wrestlers to kind of have a voice and do their thing. And for a while it wasn't happening. And then all of a sudden, boom, back to back, two amazing interviews from two independent wrestlers, one who is on uh, the backside of it right now, and he's just living life. And the other one, a uh, guy whose uh, future is uh, is exploding. And we're going to talk about both of those. I'm going to play clips from both of the interviews that I had with C.O. Hustler and Mad Max Morrison. Plus, we're going to just, again, go back over the uh controversy, I think, surrounding the biggest issue in pro wrestling that's going to move forward. And this is, to me, the biggest make or break um, topic in pro wrestling. And with 2021, there's going to be a huge change like uh, that, that old song, a change is going to come. I think there's going to be a huge change in the landscape of professional wrestling. And it's not going to be uh, very well received by the biggest promotion in the entire world, WWE. But I digress. Those are my teases, as you say, in the business. And even though I won't be checking it, because again, it's the best of show, but even though I won't be checking the comment section, I would love to hear what you think about any of the interviews or any of the... Um, the, the topics that we've discussed this whole year, not just the one that's coming up, but uh, the ones that we discussed throughout the year. Just go ahead and drop a comment, like it, share it. Uh, if you uh, have friends that you know of that are wrestling fans, they want to talk wrestling, share this out, please. If you want, if you know people who have been in the business, who've been in pro wrestling before and want a place to uh, talk, reminisce about the old times for a half hour or, uh, you know, want a place to like, uh, talk what's going on in the world of pro wrestling, then no, uh, uh, go ahead and just 
DM me. Go ahead and just get in contact with, with me at the Facebook page at Healing Face Podcast directly, or you can reach out to me at the uh, Twitter podcast page, Healing Face Pod. So anywhere you want to get a hold of me, you can. Uh, it'll be dope. We can talk wrestling, or really, as you're going to find out as we relive this uh, in one of these interviews, you can talk about almost literally anything with me, and it's going to be cool. So yeah, don't forget to DM the show on Twitter to book yourself. If you are a wrestler or a former wrestler, if you want to come on and use this as a format to talk pro wrestling or to talk about what you're doing or how the professional wrestling world has impacted your life, then reach out to me, DM me, DM the show, DM me on Facebook or Twitter and do the things. So uh, let's just not waste any more time than getting to it. We did talk to our first wrestler who has since retired from the scene, but he has found life Beyond the mat, pardon the pun, uh, this guy is very heavily involved in his community. He's still here in the Columbus area, working with high schools, working with different athletic programs. Uh, he even has, uh, I believe, a daughter who's still going to high school. So uh, we got the chance to speak with local independent wrestler, CO Hustler. And we reminisced a little bit about the forgotten era of local pro wrestling in Ohio, the early part of the millennium, the 2000s. We kind of, a lot of that slipped through, but there was a lot of really great independent pro wrestling happening at that time. And he was in major angles. He was in the middle of it. He was in the mix. So let's listen to a little bit from CO Hustler reminiscing about the old days of uh, when he was on top of the game, killing it in the world of local independent professional wrestling. Well, your accolades real quick uh, while, uh, you know. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, the wrestling business is what it is, and I love it, and I'm glad that I was able to spend 18 years in it. Um, and, you know, I don't really take credit for anything that accolade-wise, it's, it's, it's more of the, the company or the promotions putting their trust in you um, to to do what's best for their company at the time. So I was honored to, to be able to do that a few times. Um, I was the, uh, I've, I've been a two-time heavyweight champion. It was the uh, Cleveland Wrestling Alliance. And also um, I was the very first Ohio Hatchet heavyweight champion as well. Um, the good guys with Larry and those guys down there in Southern Ohio. Um, RCW, two-time TV champion. I was the very first uh, television champion. Um, shout out to Dirk Stream and all the great people at RCW. They are one of the best promotions in, in the state of Ohio. And, and I'd say in the Midwest. They, they've been running for a really long time. And um, those are great guys there, uh, Tank and all those guys. So um, shout out. To, shout out to RCW. Um, started my career in IWA uh, many, 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 many moons ago. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And uh, moved on from there to um, first, the first real uh, show I ever did outside of IWA was the Cleveland Wrestling Alliance, CWA. And um, still green as a beam, didn't, probably didn't know what the hell I was doing or should have been out there. But Gmo and those cats took a chance on me and, and, and got, I, I really got my career rolling then because I was able to get some privilege from some guys, some some names, quote unquote, as you will, people like Jimmy Snooker and Jimmy Valiant and Bobby Eaton and a lot of guys who came through Cleveland and, and wrestled because they had a really good relationship down there. So I got to learn from a lot of those guys um, as well. So I was blessed to, to be able to, to have two lists for some really, some really talented folks and some really old heads, what I grew up watching. So that, that was a real pleasure. Um, got the, the, the biggest part of my career came when, uh, with not only the CWA, but with FIW. Um, when I became a part of FIW, it just like we took Columbus over and took it by storm. And um, shout out to all the guys that I worked with there, you know, the, the, the Hall of Famers like Matt Mason and you got guys like Marcus Dillon who moved on to Florida to, to wrestle for Florida Championship Wrestling for some time, which as you guys know is now NXT. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was there for a while, and uh, I wrestled with some really good, really great guys. Mark Mattis and the tag teams, Taxi Stamp, and um, uh, the 
the badass never class, which was CK3 and just intoxicated, and and just I mean Rip, uh, Rip Malibu, Toledo, and, and those guys. So I I was blessed to be able to work with some of the most talented people and talented performers in this business that you've ever seen at this level. I mean, just straight up. Yeah, just uh, some of those names that you you dropped there. I'm glad you did because I mean, so I don't think people realize, and part of the reason why I did this because this is kind of a hobby like for me that's also turning into you know hopefully it's turning into something a little more but like i don't think people really appreciate all of the great indie pro wrestling that went on in in ohio and that continues to go on in ohio and it's leading the way um i mean this ohio is like one of the hottest states uh for independent pro wrestling i mean uh just when you said ck3 oh my gosh like amazing that dude was it was so good and and then uh you know, with the, the, the character change and how he kind of embraced oh, the whole Crimson. Crimson gimmick. Oh, so good. And Kim and Matt Mason had a hell of a match. Oh. Yeah. They had a hell of a match outside. I saw that match and it was, that was sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when they, um, when I first started getting hit to it was when uh, they brought, uh, they brought the feud into PWO. And when they were showing PWO on uh, STL before STL got bought out by Fox Sports, I mean, I was right. like, well, I every I would risk it, man. I, I would be uh, like so tired going into work on Monday morning because I'd either be staying up watching WWE or I'd stay up to watch that uh, PWO yeah. show. And I'm telling you, like all the things like you guys just were just killing it in the 2000s, just absolutely killing it and paving the way for honestly for a lot of the guys who are in the big time right now. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, like I said, that's why they're such a good run. I mean, that was a huge run. Yeah, I mean, me and my dad's partner, uh, when we first met the Rednecks, shout out to the country, Chris, and Todd. Um, when, when the Rednecks showed up in, in FIW, um, the landscape was starting to change, and, and, and FIW was new. It was only a couple, they'd only done a couple shows, and, and, you know, Mason and Dylan and Albie Dam slash, uh, Lennox Norris, you probably know him as now. Yeah. Um, those guys were, and, and when we decided that we were going to try to make that jump, and when we got accepted over there, it was just a crazy time. I mean, uh, me and country went on a, a run and we ended up splitting up. They split us up and, and I went heel and he stayed face. We had a feud and then, then I joined the dynasty which yeah. I, we were feuding with and it was just, it was nuts, but it was a great run. Um, Cleveland during that time was off the hook because me and country were still partners there and we were like, we were, we were healed out in, in Cleveland and, and uh, between, over the years that we've been in Cleveland from, wow, we started wrestling in Cleveland together as a tag team. We see service in 98, probably 99 and then in the 2000, I mean, between those, between 99 and 2000 and probably two, we held the Cleveland Tag Team titles probably 10 times. Um, yeah. Um, and then still doing shows with guys like Jimmy Snuka and all those guys coming in, just being able to, like, you know, boost the show up. Um, but at the same time, Gmo, the promoter always down there, always made sure that the guys that were on his main roster were the ones who got the shine, meaning not necessarily that the, the, the name they would bring in would go under or count lights, but at the same time, the show wasn't based around them. It was just like an added attraction. Right, right, so, right. Yeah, and, and FIW was really good about that because we really didn't bring names in. Our names were who we were. Um, when you saw an FIW poster or an advertisement for FIW, you knew it was going to be a good show because everybody on the show, you're like, that's who you're coming to see. And the storylines are good, and it was it was a really good it was a really good run for a really for for a while. For there was a good two two and a half years there where we we couldn't be touched. 
I mean, we have people coming from Canada, Michigan to wrestle. I mean, I wrestled yeah. Chris Saban. <laughs> you know, I got to wrestle Chris Saban. Oh, you know, my God. He was, this was before he was Chris Saban. He was like 19. He was, this was before he was the Chris Saban you knew from the Motor, Motor City Machine. Yeah, I see. And Ring of Honor and all that. It was, he was just a young Chris Saban. So, I mean, you think about the people that have gone, gone through there. I mean, Sean Casey, who's a, been a name in this business for God. Oh, yeah. Long, oh, yeah. Wrestled for Ring of Honor. He's done, a, he's done some dark matches for the Fed. He's, I mean, we, we, we really had a, we had a stable of guys. Um, in that era, that was just—it was—it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. See, you just—you um, just shined him up for the big time. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that kid, that kid has bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's just like I—like I said, I can't. I'm—I'm—I'm uh, I'm, I'm a like a backyard uh, like uh, home ball, like uh, like a homer. Like I'll root for anybody. I'll, I'll rep. I'll rep anybody. And even though I know you know it's that team up north and all that, I mean, I still was a huge fan of. Both, you know, uh, Motor City Machine Guns and that whole scene up there. I know. Oh, yeah. uh, you ever wrestle? Uh, you ever wrestle uh, Nate? Um, oh shoot! Matson? Yeah, Nate Matson. You ever wrestle Nate Matson or anybody from? Nate Matson. No, I know who he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so you know, I could just rattle off, uh, you know, guys that I've seen or whatever. I, I will say openly that I do regret. My buddy and I were standing in line to get into a SmackDown show years and years ago. At, probably well, almost 20 years ago at uh, uh, at the shot or something and uh, somebody may have even you somebody handed me I think an FIW uh, flyer and I know I was like man we should go we should really go so my biggest regret is you guys are one of the ones that uh, I unfortunately haven't been able to catch live and right. man I sure I sure missed it I, I, I'll openly regret that so yeah I mean FIW does peak and everything happens you know things happen things go bad sometimes, but I mean, all in all, when FIW was at its peak, I mean, not only from top to bottom did we have a really tight roster, but our, 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 our backstage crew was phenomenal. Um, music, gorilla position, you know, uh, uh, bookers, um, our announcers, man, we had some of the best. We had Drew Hansen. We had Fat Nick. We had, uh, Brady West at times. who was one of the best. He was a, he was a, Thought off Jimmy Hart. Brady West was one of the best in-ring and on-mic personalities you will ever find in this business. I'm just telling you. Um, wow. We From top to bottom, we had people on the mic. And then Mark Stone, the owner of the company. I'm not going to take anything away from him. He, he was good at his job. When he did his job, he was good at it. He really yeah. was. I mean, he, behind the mic, um, video editing, he was good at all that stuff. So, you know, my wife was involved. My wife um, started out doing music and ended up in the gorilla position, in charge of the gorilla position. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, we had... We had people that, like I said, from top to bottom, we, we couldn't be touched, really. Uh, there was one point when I were like, this is going to go as far as we want. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a shame that, you know, it, it didn't happen like that, though. But, I mean, for what you guys had, you had uh, uh, gold, it, it, it seemed like. Anyway, yeah. I saw that poor beatdown you put on Drew Hansen. <laughs> he put the boots on that guy. <laughs> he still hasn't recovered. That was just so much fun um, talking to him about that and uh, – you know, reminiscing over some really good times in Ohio as far as pro wrestling goes. And pro wrestling in Ohio, by the way, I'm still going to stand by that statement that pro wrestling, indie pro wrestling in Ohio is probably the hottest, if not one of the biggest in the country for a couple of quick reasons I'll touch on. Uh, Number one, I feel like Ohio has a great mix of uh, urban and rural and you get a lot of different people from a lot of different places doing a lot of different things. You attract a lot of competition and a lot of things, not just, uh, you know, in sports, but in life. And I think 
Ohio culture, number two, is very into sports. We talk sports all the time. Um, it's the birthplace of football. Um, it's arguably the greatest college football rivalry in college football between Ohio State and that team up north, as we were talking about in the interview. Um, Ohio has a, a lot of people who are focused on athletics and sports, and it's not just um, not just pro wrestling. I could uh, name all of the wrestlers from Northeast Ohio that are even in the WWE currently right now, and I'd probably have to take my shoes off count and socks and count on my toes. There's so many good talent as far as professional wrestling goes that's either from just Cleveland, and, and I'm not even going to talk about all the great wrestlers from Columbus, Cincinnati, or other places around the state of Ohio, but I'm going to talk about uh, just the uh, the whole idea that athletics plays such a huge part in the state of Ohio um, as far as football, baseball, soccer. Shout out to the 2020 MLS champions, the Columbus Crew. So you've got a good mix of a lot of different people, a lot of different skill levels of people coming together in the state of Ohio who are also becoming athletes, then getting into the athletic mindset. And then after that, point three, there's a lot of great places that you can train as a pro wrestler or you can start your own promotion, get involved with a local promotion. I know learning more about like internet wrestling culture uh, over the past year, a lot of us get hooked on our favorite promotion and that's our promotion. That's the one we're going to watch. And um, I haven't really found one, but I enjoy a ton of different pro wrestling. And I'm going to reinstate my last year's uh, New Year's resolution by going to see more independent pro wrestling. And hopefully I'm going to start with the end of this month with uh, the Ohio Wrestling Alliance and more to come on that in later episodes. So that was a lot of fun talking with professional wrestler, former professional wrestler, CEO Hustler, on the scene in Ohio. And the wrestling scene is changing. It's constantly changing because as much as it is an athletic competition, as we know, we love it for the pageantry. We love it for the performance. We love it for the show. So wrestling falls in that weird category, that gray area of breaking the fourth wall, the Commedia dell'arte from Europe. Is it real? Is it not real? You know, uh, and what's the border and what's the uh, what's the fine line between the two? And that was blown apart or made even fuzzier, depending on your point of view. No more than it was in the year 2020. You saw a ton of wrestlers are now, uh, for example going by their kayfabe name on Twitter, but in the part of Twitter where this is your actual name, people are putting down their real name, like um, uh, Trish Parker, uh, Trish Parker, a.k.a. Jordan Grace. I think that's Jordan Grace's handle. And uh, uh, I forget his name, but real name played by Ethan, or Ethan Page played by so-and-so. That's Ethan Page's uh, Twitter. So, uh, a lot of wrestlers are um, keeping their kayfabe name and their real name in uh, in the prominence, in the importance. And a lot of wrestlers are trying to establish their identity, not just as pro wrestlers, but venturing out into other areas. Uh, the one thing that's happened in this tragic year is the COVID pandemic has forced us all to reevaluate how to work, where to work, when to work, how you can work, what you can do, what you can't do. And 
if you want to be someone who is a performer, if you want to be someone who's athletic, if you want to be someone who uses their gifts in other areas, not just in professional wrestling, a good way to do that is to get on your social media and be an influencer. And wrestlers took to influencing with a palm in 2020. Not that they didn't beforehand. There were plenty of wrestlers who had their own Twitch accounts and their own Facebook accounts and whatnot. And we've discussed how uh, Paige struggled with WWE, allowing her to keep her pages open. And we've discussed all that. But I think all of it came to a head when almost unexpectedly, like completely out of the blue. And I say that because she was part of a major angle this year, but Zelina Vega was in the middle of a huge push and a huge, a couple of huge angles throughout 2019 going into 2020. And randomly, I think in late October, early November, she was fired, terminated by WWE. And this all had to do with WWE's decree about wrestlers using third-party social media platforms because they were going to start establishing their presence. And so now you get into what am I allowed to do in my spare time? Am I allowed to have a side hustle or a side job while I work for WWE? Or in general, you know, boiling it down to actual work, boiling it down to actually being a person who is wanting to work and being employed. Like, would it be no different if uh, a mailman, a mail, sorry, mail carrier had a side job where he or she, I don't know, was a photographer and took pictures uh, while on their mail routes? I mean, with how much of a ethical moral violation is that? I'm sure it's very, very little a small one, but unfortunately Vince McMahon is going senile in his old age. He's not looking well, probably not doing well. And in his final days as semi lucid owner of WWE, he has declared that pretty much everything you do as an employee by WWE somehow has to be kicked back up. Not unlike a mafia boss back to him. Well, there were people who took exception to it. Some wrestlers shut everything down completely while other wrestlers fought it and paid the price. So, Zelina Vega, real name Thea Trinidad Bunchen, is not taking this standing up, sticking it lying down. If you've seen her recent Instagram shoots, um, even though her dream of being a professional wrestler and being in the WWE was cut short by the boss of the company, she's still not letting that stop her uh, from being a cosplay model, for being a regular Instagram model for still staying on her Twitch, still gaming, still doing the things that she loves to do, which she's probably making more money and getting more exposure at doing anyway. But anyway, let's get to uh, the story. So let's uh, listen a little bit to my thoughts as I continue on the controversy between the firing of Zelina Vega, Vince McMahon's stranglehold on what people can do in their spare time, and the idea of possible pro wrestling unionization. Vega. They said on their website that they have come to terms with her release. And this is weird because it's coming at a weird time. On with transition. We've been talking about, but also in the WWE. We know that people are full-blown disgruntled for the working man, as we discussed last week. It was always talking about last week. Uh, Andrew Yang has been secretly talking with WWE and other pro wrestlers on the possibilities of uh, Vince's illegal practices as far as what independent contractors are. But the speculation is that Zelina Vega was let go because of her recent pro unionization tweet and her refusal to relinquish her social media accounts. 
So um, this is going to be a deep dive because I think this is such a serious uh, topic that it just completely needs to be uh, addressed and flushed out. And uh, the hashtag I support unionization has been all over uh, uh, Twitter, all over wrestling Twitter. And this is, uh, this is a topic that is, is finally needing to be addressed seriously, and it will be. And ironically enough, the very thing that Vince McMahon is trying to avoid is the very same thing that um, he's going to cause. So let's first talk about the first issue that she probably got released for, which was her refusal to give up her OnlyFans and her Twitch accounts. Now, we've extensively talked about it on this podcast, about what you can do on your own. And we've talked about the huge um, edict from WWE unfairly preventing talent from, I don't know, making money uh, with either the good or the bad um, points to it. And I even offered, slightly offered Vince McMahon's side via what Jim Cornette said on his podcast about how Vince did kind of help these people get to where they are. But this is a topic. This is, this is something that's just is way more serious now. Um, now it's gone over the top with unionizing. And this is something that's always been swept under the rug. This was always something that's been pushed aside and Vince has never seriously addressed. And he has basically done everything he could to avoid this. But now he's gone over the top with this ban on people's um, personal lives, their personal accounts, and how they choose to make money. And this is going to bite him in the behind. There was a ton of support for Zelina Vega over Twitter. And this is going to be a fundamental shift. This is going to be something that um, really going to shake WWE to his core, I think. I would not be surprised if Raw or on SmackDown that the entire locker staged some sort of protest or some sort of walkout. I'm sure Vince probably came running into the Capitol Wrestling Center, came running into the Thunderdome and yelled at the wrestlers for about 30 minutes about being selfish and not being part of the team and blah, blah. But I think this is a little, this is too far. I've seen so many fans talk about how too far and over the top this has gone and i think it's got to stop wrestlers need to organize in some fashion not maybe full-blown union per se something more along the lines of the uh national basketball associations players association um something to that effect maybe something more like major league baseball but something needs to happen and there's going to be a serious challenge to Vince's quote unquote independent contractor. He's been getting away with that very, very long time and no one's really had the guts to stand up to him. And I'm convinced that one person who's got the guts to do it would probably be Zelina Vega. I've been hearing a lot of things from other people, uh, other places uh, saying you can't tell a Puerto Rican woman what to do. So I am going to fully predict that 
Zelina Vega herself, uh, Thea, I believe her real name is, uh, she is going to probably not only challenge the independent contractor thing, I would, I would think she might have a strong case. She might be like the Norma Ray for professional wrestling. If you guys remember that reference at all, shout me out in the comments if you remember that movie, but, um, which was based on a real life situation. Um, but yeah, as far as this goes, I think this is the final straw. I think wrestlers have had it. And I think that not only if I was her, I would show up, I'd, I'd challenge, I'd show up on AEW, I'd show up on NWA. I show, I'd show up everywhere I could in that area and work everywhere. And I would challenge the no compete clause. And who knows? It might be a, a terrible legal battle. It might take a toll because WWE is very good at waiting things out. They'll, Vince will tell Uncle Jerry in legal to spend as much money as possible to tie up the lawsuit in court before it gets to the Supreme Court. This McMahon has avoided unionization forever. And he's gotten away with it in a lot of ways. One is that there's a loophole in TV syndication that states that uh, if if your show is syndicated, if people can watch a show different ways or whatever, that uh, there's no like there's there's no way for those actors to get paid. So okay, so let's say you're showing reruns of Seinfeld. The 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 principal actors of Seinfeld, the people who get speaking roles in Seinfeld, they sign not a contract, but it's understood that if they get this job. They will be owed whatever um, royalty they make. So um, somebody who, you know, bumped into Jerry in the street, walking across the street or whatever on set um, or the soup Nazi guy, you know, gets three dollars a month for all the royalties of every time that episode was shown. But you can't pay everybody. That's why they offer deals with extras. That's why they offer deals, you know, uh, for casting calls. If you get like five hundred bucks a day, 50 bucks a day to sit in a. Um, the background of the coffee shop in Seinfeld and look like you're drinking coffee, you can get 50 bucks and that's it. You can brag to your family that you were on an episode of Seinfeld. So the way that syndication works is only principal actors and only actors that get speaking roles get residuals. Everybody else doesn't. And then there's a loophole in that that basically says if Vince somehow, you know, unionizes them or somehow these wrestlers unionize under Vince, Vince is going to have to pay everybody who had a speaking role Everybody who came in as a guest host, everybody who came in at one point has to pay them some type of royalty. And Vince McMahon is not handing out royalties. I know wrestlers have sued or have talked about back royalties on the network before. I know that there was talk when the network was formed, will the wrestlers finally be getting paid for some of the work that they did back in the 80s and 90s, some of the footage that Vince McMahon owns? Uh, that answer was a resounding no. Um, but it would, ruin, uh, it would ruin television or it would ruin the network from that standpoint. So that is one reason why Vince is definitely not behind unionization because they would have to go back and they would have to basically find everybody else that had more than one word in a WWE show and uh, have to get them paid for it. Um, another reason uh, that Vince is obviously against unionization is because then he'll have to negotiate benefits and he'll have to negotiate uh, compensation and he'll have to give them sick days. There will be no more. We work 325 days a year, pal. That's the price you pay for being in the biz. There will be no more of that. There will be 200 to 250 work days. There will be there will be seasons, which is another thing that wrestling fans have been asking for. There will be seasons uh, in the WWE. You won't see wrestlers working 325 days a year. 
You'll only see them working about 250 days a year. You'll see wrestlers not having to pay out of pocket for their own health insurance. You'll see all the stuff that comes with a union that Vince does not want to be a part of. And, uh, and the last, I guess, thing is, is that, um, I would assume that since wrestlers want to go wherever and they want to break their contracts or whatever, whenever they want to, that it would not be a closed shop. There would be a one union for professional wrestlers and probably be an open shop, which means somebody could literally say, hey, Vince, I'm only working with you for a month and then I'm going to go over to AEW and wrestle over there for a month. And there would be literally no way for Vince to stop them. So there's a lot of power and control that Vince McMahon and the WWE loses when, if and when, pro wrestlers unionize. And you know what? I honestly, I'm going to go a little bit off on my own tangent about it just for a little bit. Um as a libertarian and as someone who has been burnt by union, a union time or two, I'm not a fan of them necessarily. Uh, I personally, I believe that if anything, the ind- the laws of being an independent contractor should be beefed up. And I think that Vince should be challenged on that. And that's where everybody should be an independent contractor because everybody should say, hey, Vince, you know what? I think I can offer something for you for three months. It's not going to last. I'm not going to be here every day. I think I got something good lined up in another place, too. I can go to Japan and work for a year and make more money and, you know, whatever. So I think I'm going to be here for three months and then I'm going to blow out again. And there's nothing Vince McMahon could do about it because it would be an independent contractor. If you just you can't get fired as an independent contractor, if you don't show up, you don't show up and you don't get paid if you don't show up. So me personally, I want to, would like to take more of a libertarian market approach to it. I just want it to go back to fully actualizing independent contracting. Now, that being said, if wrestlers aren't going to do that, then there should be some sort of union. And Vince McMahon has meticulously tried to avoid unionizing, as I just put out why, the three reasons why I think. Uh, Vince McMahon has done things, good or ill, as far as the wrestling business goes, to avoid unionizing. Um he bought up a lot of the territories just so he could know what's going on and how other people feel and how other people think. He stabilized a lot of wrestlers' careers by putting them under one umbrella, his umbrella, where he could pay them and he could use them anytime he wanted. Um, he insisted upon professionalism and integrity in the business. And I know that's funny, the word integrity coming from Vince McMahon, but the locker room cleaned up. There's no more good old boy system. Nobody has to carry anybody's bags necessarily. Nobody has to um, shake every veteran's hand in the locker room before they get their dark match before Raw. So a lot of that good old boy stuff is gone. And that's another way to inf- to kind of stave off unionization because uh, the good old boy system kind of deters favoritism, even though there's still favoritism in the WWE. But um, it staves it off at least. It, it curbs it. Uh, instituting professionalism so you can't say as someone who's trying to unionize other wrestlers hey they're just going in there and they're putting cigars out on each other's uh butts and and they're you know taking each other's money and they're blah 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 blah. by infusing professionalism in the locker room and professionalism as a pro wrestler that kind of negates and takes out the opportunity for anybody to act real crazy something that you would report to hr um, Vince has avoided unionization by guaranteeing contracts, which actually that's imagination of, uh, Nash and Hall. So, uh, Kevin Nash was the first one to insist upon a guaranteed contract. So 
but it but the fallout from that was is actually helped Vince avoid being in a union because you could guarantee people money. You could say, well, okay, cool, I'll sign you for three years, and you'll make uh, five hundred thousand dollars a year, and you'll be good, and you'll be happy, and we'll put you in angles and give you the opportunity to do what you want. Um, he has avoided unions by um, basically just uh, maneuvering people to the top, and yet everything else that he's doing. By like normalizing, by saying, hey, I'm the reason why you're a star. It's the whole John Cena argument. He feels like he makes these people stars. Therefore, not only do they owe him something, but they should be loyal to him. And in a sick, twisted way, I think Vince McMahon does see that this is a loyalty move. I think in a sick, twisted way, he thinks that Zelina Vega is being disloyal to him. And let's talk about briefly the whole John Cena aspect. So recently, John Cena stated that he doesn't mind if Vince McMahon owns his likeness, owns his name, owns his character development, and gets a piece of whatever John Cena makes. So like the Godfather, John Cena kicks up anything that he makes up to Vince automatically. And he says he doesn't mind because he owes Vince everything. He says that if it wasn't for Vince, he'd still be some bodybuilding geek, never was kicking around Southern California. Okay, John, here's the problem with that. And if you're willing to do it, if you personally are okay with that happening, if you're willing to give up your life and your livelihood and your being, your soul, spirit, and all that to a corporation because you have some loyalty for Vince McMahon, I mean, that's your business. But not everybody's like you, John. Uh, John Moxley, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose, made that abundantly clear and left. And a lot of wrestlers are getting smart about it, too. Hence, why Zelina Vega left. So it's okay if you want to do it personally, but not everybody who works there should feel that way. Seven-eighths of the wrestlers who are in WWE are in there for their own merits anyway. Most of the wrestlers that have clawed their way up from the indies and working and being good personalities are, are there almost despite Vince McMahon, it seems like. So it may be fine for you to kick something back to Vince because you owe him something, but no one really owes them anything. They earned their spot in the WWE by hard work, by doing what they love, with the determination and the will to do it. And I'm not saying that John Cena is. John Cena has been praised, even by people that hate him, as being one of the hardest workers in professional wrestling. I'm saying uh, that... Um, Oh, that's a train of thought. Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston, Randy Orton. I'm sure even though Randy Orton agrees. Edge, none of the other people. Uh, Zelina Vega, Charlotte Flair. No one else has to feel the same way you do. And Vince can't force other wrestlers to feel the same way that John Cena does. And he shouldn't. And how dare he? So he has created these problems. And he's forcing the hand of unionization. He can't force people on their own time if to stop their part-time jobs. That's crazy. Uh, think about it again. I understand if Lexi Kaufman is using her name Alexa Bliss on her OnlyFans account. I don't see the problem of Lexi Kaufman using Lexi Kaufman as her OnlyFans account. I don't see why Alan Jones or Austin Jenkins can't continue to have their Discord and their Twitch um, streaming 
and still have their social media be AJ Styles and Adam Cole. So, again, by locking this stuff down, by being so adamant about what wrestlers can do in their own spare time and how they can make money in their own spare time, Vince is causing more problems. He's forcing the hand of unionization. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen sooner than you, than you think. And it's going to start with WWE. And again, I'm not a fan of unions, but I think in this case, this is a serious threat. This is a real problem that Vince McMahon needs to address. And he needs to get out in front of it. And either he needs to hire Zelina Vega back. Because the other, honestly, the other thing she has is she has a, a case for being fired for speaking her mind. For expressing her First Amendment right. So if she can prove that she was fired because she was expressing an independent thought, she might have a case. She might have a counter case. She might have a counter suit. Um, I think that unless Vince steps down and lets Stephanie and Triple H and Shane run the company, unless that happens, this is going to get bad. This is going to get worse before it gets better. And just like any other kind of dictatorship, just like any other kind of oppressive government, the more you squeeze people, the more they're going to react. And this is exactly what's happening in the WWE. The more you squeeze these wrestlers, the more they're going to react. Well, there you go. There's pretty much all of my thoughts on wrestlers unionization and the major topic to me anyway, that's going to pervade wrestling as we go further. You know, a lot of pro wrestlers, they, um, they were really stuck for what to do during the pandemic. And if there weren't any shows running and, no one was making money. How else are you going to do it? Especially if you want to be in the field. Now I understand if you want to be like an indie guy, weekend warrior, where maybe you just thought it was fun as a creative outlet to do a couple of house shows in your hometown or, you know, travel around the state or the region within maybe like a day's drive to do a show, come back home and then go back to your job as a mechanic or a accountant or whatever. And that's, that's fine. That's the wrestling business needs all kinds of people. But if you were, committed to being a professional wrestler in, uh, in, in, in your career, as this is something that I want to do with the rest of my life, then your only other recourse is to do things that are adjacent or similar. And that is going on social media these days. Wrestlers didn't have that luxury back in the days. They just probably go back to their quarries or their construction sites and do whatever. But nowadays there's so many opportunities for you to remain creative in the world of professional wrestling with social media and with other uh, outlets of things that you want to do creatively that, you know, it makes complete sense to want to do your own thing. One guy that I lucked into interviewing and I am just so thankful and happy that I got the chance to interview him. Someone who is doing different things to keep those creative juices flowing is um, a guy that I found through social media, found through the internet wrestling community. Uh, uh, the uh, guy known as Mad Max Morrison. That's right. I interviewed Mad Max, just randomly hooking up with him, talking to him, and uh, found out that the dude is got it going on way beyond the world of professional wrestling. He's into so many other things. And the one thing that we, we just kind of went off topic and talked about, we didn't keep it to pro wrestling. We kept it to other cool things that inspired him, including his favorite heavy metal band. So here is a clip from my first interview this year with uh, Mad Max Morrison. Check it out. I was actually going to kind of shoot the breeze of the other stuff first before we got, got into it, but let's... Yeah, so... 
I don't whatever, man. We can get back to some of the uh, actual uh, wrestling, you know, uh, in a minute. But uh, I was looking up a little bit of stuff about you. <laughs> so first of all, I mean, uh, tell us what's going on there, like in Richmond. Tell us what's going on there in Virginia, your neck of the woods. I know, uh, you know, you guys are, are are suffering just as much as we here in Ohio uh, with this whole Corona deal. Like, how you holding up? Right. Um, I know I built this. I built myself from Richmond, but I'm actually living in Maryland, which is perfectly fine. And um, up here, it's a little different because we got Larry Hogan, who's like on the forefront of all this COVID stuff, and he's doing what he's doing. I don't necessarily have like an opinion on how he's running things. It just kind of is what it is. Because I've always been one of those cats where it's like, well, I don't so much give a shit how things are getting run as long as I can. It's possible for me to maintain what I'm doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, yeah, so he's, he's doing his thing. He shows all down. The whole world does stand still. Wrestling's not happening, which I'm like, all right, that's fine. Which is kind of cool because, I mean, for me, it's because uh, I'm just like a natural born entertainer. I'm used to just being on 100% if you can't, like, see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah. just, I'm used to always being on. It's nice to turn off every now and again. So it's yeah. like uh, shut Max off and let Brian kind of hang tight for a little bit and kind of see what's going on everywhere else. Because that's just is what it is. Yeah. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of being on, can you like angle us a little bit down so we can see uh, your uh, beautiful eyes? Or up, I mean, up, I mean, sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Get the logo, get the merch. We're going to talk about where you get that in a minute. Beautiful. Yeah. So like the, the cool thing was, see, I got, I'm clearly, I'm doing this from my bedroom. So like, I have no, like, uh, I, I do this as a hobby, but I like to get into it too. So I'm not really a professional, professional bo- podcaster here, but I mean, I do what I do and I like what I do um, where I'm at. And uh, I was actually a little nervous because I was watching a little bit of uh, your uh, podcast that you were just on. I'm like, oh my God, that guy's like got a legit setup and the C3W podcast and all that stuff. And I'm like, He's going to come on thing like, who is this doof who is, like, using his onboard computer to do that? like, I'm not in a Zoom uh, conference or whatever, but, um, but no, I mean, I'm thinking it was just talking about, like, doing whatever you could do, man. You know, in Ohio here, uh, Governor DeWine's actually getting praised, you know, because of how he kind of, like, helped flatten the curve. I'm not a fan of him shutting all the businesses down, but, I mean, like, you with your governor, I'm sure, you know, it's like – what can you do? You know, it's like, I don't want my freedoms kind of taken away, but I get the fact that they don't really have something for the virus. You know what I mean? So. Like business as usual. Now, like, we're coming up on two years since I've lived in Maryland. I moved up here from Virginia Beach. I lived there my entire life. I'm a Virginia guy. I heard it's for lovers. I said, I heard it's for lovers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh-oh. A little backstory on me is I spent my entire life living in Virginia Beach, but I also spent like 16 years in the music business where I was playing in original bands, key cup places, playing places. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've been drinking all afternoon. That's ah, what I do. That's what you've been doing. Yeah, it's what I do. Ah. So, noise pollution. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, um, I'll explain that later. Sure. So, yeah, so for the last, like, however many years, I've been living in Virginia Beach. I play, like, all these 
I played in music and I played all these, I played original bands for about five years and I spent about eight years, like eight or nine years playing in cover bands where I was making like a part-time paycheck. So that was what I did. And I traveled the country on top of that, like doing like gimmick bands and all stuff like that. Cause I'm a drummer by trade. That's yeah. what I do. That's, I grew up as a guitar player, but then by the time I hit 15, I started playing drums. I got, I got behind a drum kit and I was like, this is incredible. This feels like this is right. And that's what I started doing. And I got one. And then I eventually, when I got into high school, I started doing like pit percussion and I marched drums. And that's where Max actually was born, which is really funny. That's a long, a long short story. I can make it short, but it's a very long story. That's that's hilarious because that's kind of what I was going to like into it with you about like because i've been you know doing my research and like i see all of the like uh promotions that you work for but then after that it was like there's a huge list of like bands and stuff and i was just thinking like you know the creative people can't be restrained you know what i mean if you got one thing that that you that you like to do you know it doesn't necessarily mean you're just kind of pigeonholed into that thing yeah there you go man <laughs> nice there uh every I tell you what, every time I'm feeling down in the dumps, I go and I find uh, a version of Carry On My Wayward Son they did on uh, the AV Club. <laughs> I listen to it. And then, they, you know, they tell me to get off my lazy, fat ass and go to work. So, you know, I get inspired every time. Yeah, I do like Sure. <laughs> So uh, story, I'm a, I'm a Virginia guy, and we went to um, years ago. I went and saw Evil Dead the musical. It made me like super happy because I'm an Evil Dead fan. Like we could probably talk about like my love for horror because you're gonna like see all my shit in my background if yeah. you really pay attention. But um, I went to go see Evil Dead the musical, and the free face was done by Otis Urungus, and it was at, it was posthumous. Which was kind of incredible because he apparently had already been like in cahoots enough to be like, I'm going to record a video to be like, intro these people into this um, production. So all of you people, you know where you're coming to watch this film or you know where you're coming to watch this play and you know who you're coming to watch and you know who the fuck I am. Sorry, I don't know if I can cuss or not. I'm going to do it anyway. It's you are going to see that. Guar has something to do with Evil Dead because Guar, prosthetic, you know, aliens from another country with horror, yeah, it goes hands in hands. But it was also both in Virginia. And it was incredible. It was way incredible. So, like, for me, I constantly, and here's one thing about Mad Max that I'm going to go ahead and let everybody know. Yep. If you ever want to come find me in Virginia, come to Guar Bar in Richmond. That's where it is. I heard about that place. Oh, I like. I've read up on them. I've heard about them. Tell tell the people about that. If you this is uh become a Guar Love Fest, and I don't care. Let's go. Let's, let's do it. Like tell us about this bar that's basically uh what uh like a not a not a, like abandoned warehouse. Although that'd be completely appropriate. But isn't it like a, like a isn't it like a like a uh, not underground? What am I trying to say here? Like a basement or something of a bar or something like that? Or tell me about it. Tell me about it. A restaurant in downtown Richmond that was put together by Paul Zach and his destroyer because apparently he has like a culinary degree. And even though he is from an alien from another planet, he decided to make himself something 
some kind of important because he knows that humans need nourishment in order for them to be able to survive. They need humans to survive because sure. that's, what they, that's what they nourish on. I mean, we feed cows. We feed cows. Well, I mean, at the same time, I mean, yeah, we feed on cows. But at the same time, the aliens from Guar, they feed on, like, the nourishment of human beings and crack cocaine. Sure. So At the same time, on, usually. Yeah, so they go ahead and make sure that people are, like, up to the up, up and snuff and snuff. <laughs> so they can snuff and snuff and sure. do the stuff and stuff. And that's just what they do, which is perfectly fine for me, because I learned about Guar and got, like, super hit to it when I was, like, I don't know, probably, like, 2005. Yeah, it was, like, 2005. I was working at an underground, like, adult store. And I wore one of my white work T-shirts and got blasted with all of the Guar colors, as you will put it, because they just shoot, they shoot pee, they shoot food. Fluids. Semen, fluids, all that stuff. On the crowd, so I was like, all right, that's cool. And I showed up at like 2 o'clock in the morning for my shift. And they're like, what happened to you? Goes, and I'm all covered in pink. I goes, how's that for a show? That's all you need to say. But yeah, it was fun. It was, it was a blast. But you know what? That's what really got me into the culture of wanting to be like beyond just a musician, beyond just an entertainer. Was When I went to go see Guar, it kind of really, it, 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 it opened up my mind to be like, this is what character work is like. Because Mad Max isn't so much just a wrestler. He's not so much just a musician. He's not so much just an actor. He's just, he's a character. He is a over-embellishment of what I am as a human being. And what I am as a human being is beyond most people's comprehension. It's kind of wild. Yeah. And isn't that what they say? I mean, isn't that what we've been hearing from everybody from, I don't know, the Miz or whoever on down is, isn't that supposed to be, isn't this whole thing supposed to be like you, but at 10 or at 11? I mean, I could only imagine like, uh, you know, what, 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 what I would be at 10 or 11, probably just a slightly bit of not less obnoxious. But I mean, isn't that what it is? Kind of like the magic of creating a persona is just you, but like magnified into somebody that you really kind of do want to be. Is that too deep to put it? Essentially, yes. Essentially what you want to be is, you want to figure out who you are, like, at the core. You want to figure out who you are at the core, like, you want to look past, like, your dressing. You want to look past your skin. You want to look past your guts. You want to look inside that piece of energy that's sitting in the middle of the middle of your chest that you can look into if you really focus hard enough. Close your eyes and you focus hard enough. And you look in the middle of your chest and be like, that's who I want to be? And then it's going to, like, um, it's really weird because it will come out it will shine very super bright and it will come through your skin. It will actually, it'll come through your guts. It'll come through your skin. It'll come through your clothes. It'll come through your mannerisms. It'll come through everything you do. And people will actually figure out either quick or not so quick. And I feel like that's what makes you in this business in entertainment and pro wrestling, that if they can figure out exactly what you are pretty quick, they can either latch on or say the hell with you, which is great either way. But it's great in the sense that, hey, they'll pick up and be like, hey, I can follow you. I figure out what you are. Great. That's fantastic. Or I don't like this guy. He sucks. And this is why he sucks. But I feel like when it comes to being hated by a crowd, it's a little, it's a little harder because then it becomes more dynamic because it's more or less, why does this guy suck? Is it more because, hey, he sucks because he, he's shit in the ring? Does it suck because he's just the crap characters, it sucks because he's a douchebag. What is it? 
And that's kind of the fun thing that I really like to tap into when I go to different places as Mad Max, because Mad isn't so much Thunderdome. Like, everybody always looks at Mad Max where he's like, hey, you're mad, like, movies, Mel Gibson and all this other stuff. Yeah. Hey, that's cool. Not so much. I used to play in a band called Mad Hatter. I'll go and I've said it more times than I can count, like, breaths in my body. I played in a band called Mad Hatter, and one of our things was we would put on the top hats, we'd put on, like, a garb, and we would have these crazy backgrounds, visuals, while we were playing our shows. I'm a drummer by trade. Yeah. That's why I, it's in my blood. That's why I do. I'm a drummer. Right. I'm, I've been playing drums for, like, 22 years now. And... um when I was doing that band, we would do that. I'd have a hat, I'd play the drums, and I would, we would just drink a bunch of Jack Daniels and go nuts. Right. Yeah, and it was wild because... Yeah, look at that muscle. Yeah. <laughs> the flex. You flex that. <laughs> anyway, so we would do that, and people would bite into it because it's outside the realm of normalcy. It's outside of the realm of what is what people expect when they come to a show because they come to a show and you have you been to like your local rock shows or have you been to like any kind of like rock and metal shows any kind of stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, I don't go as much as I, I usually do and um or I have you know for like you know whatever reasons I I've um lately I've been trying to go to a lot of the older bands at fairs and stuff just to say that I I saw them but uh, my favorite band probably you know. Uh, probably not gonna be too much of a shock is Kiss. They're my all time favorite band. So I mean, you know, yeah. we're we're very adjacent to like you know some of the tastes, I guess. You know, um, have uh, you know, I I, um, I I feel like I want to be entertained too, and I know exactly like what you're talking about because uh, I do try to go out and see. Uh, you know, I'm at kind of getting to the point where I'm kind of getting you know aged out of you know cool enough to see some bands, but I've I've, I've seen. A couple that like have caught my eye, but the ones that do are they don't just as Gene Simmons says stare at their shoes the entire time, you know. Like um, uh, there was this really weird band that came out, like they had a not even a flash in the pan. It was more like a, a, a hot stuff Eddie Gilbert flash paper flash of uh, like this band called Green Jelly. They had this hit. They were good, man. They were good. Green Jello. Uh, go ahead. I, 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 had, I was in a band back in 2009 that opened up for Green Jello. Really? And that was because of my joining and my connection. Nice! Green Jello was one of the first bands that got me to watch MTV in 92. There you go. And then just to date myself. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're good, man. No, you're good. Because I'll tell you what, like, this, <laughs> this I'm going to date myself right here, but like. So I had to hang out with Bill Manspeaker and he I had two copies of the serial killer VHS and he signed one nice. from top to bottom and he even asked me, he goes, hey, do you mind if I draw all over this thing? And that that's fucking awesome. That's amazing. And that's what that's what I'm talking about. That's what we're talking about, man. That's what like like bands that just do a little bit, you know, more than just stand there. You know, I'm I just I don't know. Like it, like war has always fascinated me, and and they're like I'm I'm not trying to like you know bury my my uncle or whatever, but my uncle's kind of in this um 
he's in a lawyer and doctor band. You know what I mean? Like they put Tommy Bahama shirts on and play like sixties. What's that? Oh, they they. Well, uh, I don't know if he does it much anymore, but they call them. They used to call themselves the uh, RPMs, the forty-five RPMs, and they used to play like a bunch of like Beatles and, and Stones and Pink Floyd stuff. They're actually really good, but it's just like they just got they just wore Tommy Bahamas and played you know cover songs, which is cool for that thing. But then another band that I recently went to go see, which I don't know, is probably completely opposite of like what you're into, is a band called Yachtopia. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. It is hilarious. So um, they play like you should check them out. This oh we, oh, we got to do this again. <laughs> Definitely doing this again. Uh, but this is a uh, but um, they're what they they they're yacht rock. They play like Robert Johnson. They're called Yachtopia. They just started. Yeah, like yacht as in. Guy is in the boat. Topia. So O P R A. Um, they're they just I think they just started um, because they're um, they're they're like a bunch of different other they got different other acts like one of the guys is also a believe it or not a Prince and David Bowie impersonator. Yeah, 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 and and he does. Yeah, so they 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 dress up as uh you know like. 80s Coke runners. The drummer wears a Captain and Tennille hat, you know. Uh, they've got, uh, I mean, why wouldn't he, right? Um, they, play, uh, they play mellow stuff, man. They play um, Robert Johnson. They play George Benson. They play um, some Prince. They play, you know, like 80s. Can I be real Go ahead. Seriously, a couple of drinks. I would totally be into these guys. I would totally watch them. I'd probably pay my head. This is my kind of stuff. I really enjoy it. So here's the thing that people don't get about me is that like they look at me and it's like, all right, bald head, big beard, crazy eyes, poor maybe guy, and whatever. I'm a heavy metal dude. Yeah, but they don't realize I have like quite a taste, a penchant for music. Considering I've played in cover bands, I've played in bands, I've played in J-pop anime bands that I tore, I toured the country doing like production stuff. <laughs> wow. Nobody, nobody realizes that. Wow. I'll totally, I'll school you on that if you want to know. I'll totally like school you on that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Links to do it. It's incredible. It's, it was fun. I did all this stuff, and people look at me as like, oh, you're just a metalhead. You're just some skinhead, bearded, whatever. And I was like, no, dude. Like, one of my, one of my, one of my most influential albums I ever listened to was The Sign by Ace of Base. What are you fucking talking about? Suck my dick. <laughs> oh, that's, that's fucking awesome. Oh, my God. There's, there's nothing more metal than, uh, than Ace of Base. And there you go. That is... A look at how indie wrestlers are dealing with the COVID situation and finding beautiful creative outlets for themselves and not just being in the house, bored, being in the house, bored, in the house, bored. Uh, by the way, you can check out Mad Max is not only starring in Wrestle Massacre 2 coming out in late 2021, but he also has twins coming uh, in mid or early 2001, depending on the pictures that you see. So, I mean, he's a very busy dude right now and he's able to find creative outlets for his intelligence and ingenuity. And honestly, in real life, I'm just uh, happy that I popped somebody talking about green jelly. So there you have it. There you have the interview with Mad Max again. You can check him out on his uh, Facebook page that I, uh, linked in the title 
the description of the show and I'll also link it to the streaming services. You can follow him there. And of course, Russell Massacre 2 coming later this year. Well, the passion and fire that he showed, the passion and fire all the wrestlers throughout this year have shown, and my own passion. It's kind of briefly on hold right now because that's all the show we have for today. Thank you for joining me for the best of show. I know normally best of shows are just kind of lazy and put together at the end, like a clip show on The Simpsons, but, you know, The Simpsons refer to that actually uh, a lot. But honestly, I was just really proud of the work that I was able to do, and I was really proud of the things that happened in the show, how the show got bigger. You can tell. I moved downstairs into the basement, and usually moving downstairs into the basement is a downgrade, but not for this show, not for the Heel and Face podcast. I want to thank everybody that joined me, CO Hustler and Mad Max Morrison, this year. I want to thank all of you guys again. Without you, the show is nothing, and I really mean that sincerely from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for joining me. If you can't join me live, you can always join me on uh, streaming services, the audio version of this podcast, and you can join me on uh, my Twitter handle, Heal and Face, and you can also, again, like I said, join the rest of us, the whole crew, at Heel Turn Wrestling, at HT Wrestling 316, HT Wrestling 316. That's all for me this week. Have a great week. Go take a nap right now. Go to bed right now so you can get up and watch Wrestle Kingdom 15. It's going to be fire. Um, and I will try to watch it however I can, if I can. I'm not going to say I'm not going to try to watch it at work. I'm not going to say that I'm not going to try to watch it at work. I'm just going to say however I consume the product is how I'm going to consume the product. So from everybody at Heel Turn Wrestling, this is Big Steve C with the Heel and Face Podcast signing off for now. And as always... Find some fun wrestling to watch and peace.